All right, episode 34, we are officially back. <laughs> it is back. Mavs podcast. That's right. We, uh, to all our loyal listeners, I think, I think it's really just Jay. Shout out to Jay. Um, we, uh, we pretty much tanked the season. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We, we, we went said, into tanking mode. Yeah, we said, why not? If the Mavs can, we can, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, but we are back after um, the very disappointing NBA lottery last night. <laughs> As it always is for the Dallas Mavericks. Even in yeah. the early 90s when we were the worst team in the NBA, never got the first pick. No, it's true. I, uh, I'm i always a hopeful guy, so I don't care for all the cynicism and negative speak sometimes, but it just played out like everybody expected. And uh, we essentially got one spot less than the worst-case scenario. So Right, right. Um, yeah. So anyways... Uh, a lot of people are saying Aiton's going to go one, but I, they hired Luka Doncic's coach as their head coach. So I'm. If we do a quick mock right now, I'm going to say it's a no-brainer. Luka is the first pick to Phoenix. Uh, you have any uh, takes on that? That was my thought too. Is that the coach hiring really it kind of tips the scales? Otherwise, I would think I think Aiton just. You know what? What I know right now, Aiton is probably the better talent. But yeah, uh, it looks like I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would probably lean towards Doncic as the number one pick, considering the coach they decided. Yeah, I would have thought. I, I think I agree. Where I think Aiton, having played at Arizona, would be an ideal pick for Phoenix, um, just locally for the fan base, and then for even him and. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Luca goes one, Aiden goes two to Sacramento, which uh Yeah, yeah. It's great for Sacramento. Uh sure. but I, I uh this I I'm sad for him to go to Sacramento, but <laughs> right, you know. Right, right. You know, maybe we, we sign him in five years or something when uh he's a free agent. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but that's it's not happening right now. And so it really comes down to the Hawks at three in which direction they go. Um, they've got nobody really worth mentioning on the roster. I guess uh, Prince and their first-round pick last year, John Collins, um, who people about, do yeah. like. Yeah, right. people like John Collins, but he's a power forward, supposedly the four. So I guess that leans more towards either Bamba or uh, Bagley, right? I would think Bagley's the pick because he's, you know, kind of going into the draft, there were three names that you heard about a lot. And I think three names have probably stood out from their play, but Aiton, Bagley, and, and Doncic were those three. And that, you know, as a Mavs fan, I was hoping if we could get one of those three, I would be pretty excited. Yeah, and, I feel uh, the same way. I think, uh, you know, the Hawks, yeah, I mean, Tarian Prince had, had a good second half of the year and, and then, uh, Collins was their pick last year, but I don't see them not taking just the best player available. And I think at that spot, it's going to be Bagley. Yeah, I I agree. I think those three guys are your top three picks 
regardless yeah. of trades or anything that occurs. And so that sort of uh, sets up for the Mavs to get Bomba, I feel, because the one player I feel that Memphis is not taking is Bomba. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine. Well, and you look at Memphis's roster, I mean, they were horrible last year, and they've still got Marc Gasol, who's still productive, but certainly not the player he was. Right. And uh, and then you've got Tommy, who's very good and, and has obviously had a lot of injuries. Um, their contract situation's horrible, so they need to take a player that is going to help them or, or at least make them a little better while while they're still cheap, you know, right. b- before they have to really pay someone. So, you know, I, I guess the initial word is, is the fourth best player in this group is going to be Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, out of Michigan State. Yeah, but um, and, and yeah, I don't see them just going in on a project like Mo Bamba, uh, unless they are just kind of quietly rebuilding and just saying let's let's get these horrible contracts off our books and and then we'll go from there because uh, nobody on that team really. Conley might be tradable, but even his contract is a little onerous. Yeah, I think um, I think that's a tricky place they put themselves in because if they were going into rebuild mode. They would have just kept Fisdale and traded uh, Gasol. And I, I think uh, they were really – I think they were going in really hoping this was like their David Robinson, Tim Duncan draft. And they pick up Doncic, put him in there with Conley and Gasol, and they see themselves as contenders again. That didn't happen. I think um, I think the way it's looking, they'd like a contributor right away. Jaron Jackson Jr., I think his defense – he could contribute with his defense right away, but is he that much? I, I I see him and Bamba as legit projects, and that's that's probably the most disappointing shoulder shrug Mavs fan hat the Mavs fans have as they walk away from this lottery. Is you know Bagley could have contributed right away. Those top three picks would have contributed right away and provided, I think, a good level of excitement for the fans. Now we're setting up for like an awkward year where, uh, you know, even if we get Bamba, I, I like him as a prospect. Um, maybe he could potentially be a little more polished Rudy Gobert, but that's, that's not super exciting. That's, uh, I, I don't know if, you know, he, he might be an all-star one day. Okay. But he, you don't look at him like he's the next dirt at all. No, and I think any of those top three guys, I, I agree with you. They were going to come in and contribute right away. And you could already tell, though, the skill set there, that they were going to be very good NBA players. But yeah. I think you're right. Is Now it's like, okay, no matter who you take, like let's say it's Jackson instead of Bamba, or let's say it's even, well, we can get to this in a second, but that there may be somebody else kind of in the mix there. But if it's one of those two big men that people are kind of projecting, then you're right back here a year from now. You know that you're not you're not kind of out of the lottery taking that big step forward because no free agent is now looking at this team going, oh, okay. Well, now if I jump to the Mavericks, right? Wow, that, that's a nice young player because Bamba may be two or three years away from from contributing. And and again, this is as we sit right now. Who knows what what's going to happen? You know, uh, what what he's doing right now or how he may shoot up draft boards. You know, a lot can happen between now and the end of June, but 
uh, right now it doesn't appear like he's going to come in and be an impact player. Well, and I think uh, what you were hinting at earlier, your, your second tier, and it's a legit second tier, is uh, Bamba, Jaron Jackson, and then the wild cards, Michael Porter Jr. Right. And if Michael Porter Jr. comes in, he's healthy, he has great workouts, that's who Memphis is going to take. So I think there's no real scenario where he he falls to the Mavs if he's looking good. You know, yeah. so I, I think ultimately the Mavs either the Mavs are going to have to pick from Jaron Jackson Jr. or Bamba, regardless. And right. I think in that scenario, it's a developmental player, and I I think they lean towards they're going to lean towards Bamba because um, of his measurables. I, I think the Mavs are always about measurables, right. and you know the, the you know he interviews well. He's apparently super smart. Like he got into Harvard and passed it up and and I, I think that's really going to be attractive to the Mavericks because they're going to like okay this guy is our center for the next 10 to 12 years we develop a post game we you know our whole offense you know could could be a well-oiled machine with this guy as he grows in you know comes into his own <sighs> but like you said it's uh you know, I think we'll see flashes. I, I think we'll really enjoy watching him, similar to how Dennis developed last year. It's just harder to predict a leap for the Mavericks as a team. Like, well, right. He's going to come in, and if you think about the impact that we thought we'd get from, like, Nerland's Noel when the right. Mavs made that trade, where it's like, right. all right, here's here's a, you know, and, and Bamba's bigger than, than Noel, but... It's here's a guy who comes in, he's athletic, he can block shots, he can rebound, and, and at the very least we're getting that. And then you think, okay, we just got to develop his offensive game. And I think with Noel, people maybe had a better uh, – he was always going to be maybe a little bit more limited offensively, and I, and I haven't heard the same about Bamba. Like there's a little bit you know, higher up, – there's huge upside. Some people say he might end up being the best player out of this draft. Could be, um, yeah. but also kind of the biggest sort of uh, you know potential disappointment as well. He may just sort of flame out in the league, but yeah, I think Porter Jr. is is definitely kind of the wild card that could sneak up there. Um, but you're right; if he's showing really well, why wouldn't Memphis just go get him? Yeah, especially with uh, Chris Wallace as their GM. I mean, he's he's kind of a he he's a risk taker, and I, I think if if Porter works out well. Uh, they're not going to be afraid to take them because then they get sort of a poor man's version of their Luka Doncic stream where they, they have a fresh young wing, scoring wing, like what Chandler Parsons should have been for them to add to Conley and Gasol. So right, right. I, I think we're really looking at, okay, evaluate Jackson Jr. and Bamba. I think they lean towards Bamba for, for all the reasons we just shared. And, you know, I think for Mavs fans, it's, we're not going to, I think there was a part of us hoping we were like what Utah was this year, next year, where if we picked up a Bagley or an Aiden and then add a free agent, it's like, okay, wow, we, you know, we're really, we're a feisty young team here that's well yeah. coached. Yeah. And now I, I, I don't see that, you know, let's, let's just imagine Smith, Bamba, and even if we luck out and get like an Aaron Gordon, that's that's an athletic young team. I just don't see it having the maturity to 
to really compete for a four, five, six playoff spot. You know, it's it's maybe they get hot and uh, we slip into the eighth pick, right? Or eighth, right, right, eighth uh, playoff spot. Yeah, no, that's still not right, even with. But that's paying Aaron Gordon pretty much a max contract, and you have to right. think: Oh, is that a guy you want to spend max money on, or? Right. You know, do you want to cast your lot with DeMarcus Cousins coming off a torn Achilles? You know, because that's kind of the biggest free agent out there. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it's just it, – it's not – yeah, the, the real kick is, is that you were hoping to get this future superstar and this real, okay, we know this guy's going to be great. And yeah. uh, I think that's sort of – now you're into the unknown. But, but you're right. Baba could really develop or – Whoever they end up in that fifth spot could end up being a really nice player. Obviously, the best rookie last year about Donovan Mitchell yeah. was the, what, uh, 11th, 12th pick, something like that, you know? Yeah. So, um, it's not something where you, you have to have one of these top three guys or your son. There's there's a lot of talent in this draft, but, but where the Mavericks are drafting, and I think they're in a position where you just go get the best player available. Um, yeah. But you're right. I think for all those reasons, Bomba's probably the guy, but we'll have more to say about that between now and the draft. Yeah, and it's sort of uh, just as a Mavs fan, it's just my focus a little bit to our cap space and how we use it. Um, Mike Fisher had an interesting article yesterday about how, uh, you know, we've got about $14 million in cap room right now and how we could use that before the draft to try to take on some salary and pick up another first round pick. He used the example of um, Philadelphia having the 10th pick and giving us the 10th pick and Jared Bayless to, to take that contract, you know, and, and what did we send them uh, essentially, essentially nothing. We send them, yeah. you know, just, just an expiring or uh, like a second round pick that's heavily protected, something like that. Right. Um, just in a salary dump move, so they kind of clear the deck to try to go after LeBron. And I, I, I love the idea. I just, I cannot see that happening. I, I love the idea of our cap space becoming that valuable. Um, I just don't see a scenario where they give up the tenth pick in the draft for a salary dump. Yeah, they've been so patient, and as much as they want to, as much as people are saying, go clear the deck, go get LeBron or whatever else, right? I mean, if you're Philadelphia, you could just run back the same team you just had and be very good in the Eastern Conference, you know, and be right there. And obviously Boston is looking like a monster, you know, in the future with the players they have and their two best players aren't even on the floor uh, with the way they're performing, but... Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine Philly would be that impatient all of a sudden that they have to win now when they have such, you know, two two really good young talents. Who knows what Markel Fultz is going to be. But you can get a guy at number 10, like, you know, to, uh, what's the guy out of uh, Villanova? You know, they're, they're good. Yeah, Bridges out of Villanova. I mean, he was. He was great. I think he's someone who could come in and contribute right away, and, and maybe not at a superstar level, but certainly at a level that you'd, you'd love to have on your team. 
Well, and I, I agree. And, and I think if we were to get second first round pick, that would, that would really make, it would, it would really, uh, raise the excitement level for, for the team's prospects. So like, maybe we're not the Utah of next year, but, you know, even it, really, I'll, I'll take anybody uh, as a first rounder to pair with a Bamba to where I'm watching three young guys grow together. You know, um, even <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot of talk has been made of the Mavs' second round pick. We have two second round picks. Um, I think it's 33. I think we have a high second round pick, and the idea that we we might possibly package those two and trade back up into the first round. So if there's a scenario where we end up with two or even three first round picks, even if they're in the twenties, you know, two more in the twenties, that would be, uh, that would infuse a lot of excitement because, you know, uh, even, even the guy from, uh, who was it? Who is it? Dante, the guy who went off in the finals. (laughs) Dante, something or the other. Uh, Divincenzo, yeah. yeah, Divincenzo, I mean, guy for Villanova, yeah. He could he could completely flame out in the pros. Right. But how exciting would it be to watch him next year? (laughs) Right. Right. Well, yeah, and and shout out to our our loyal listener Jay. I mean, Grayson Allen, a Duke a Duke product. I'm a big Grayson Allen fan. Like, I think he's going to slip as well because he's had such a he really hasn't had a good junior or senior year. And um, but I I think he's a I think he's potentially a better prospect than JJ Redick even because he's six he's six five and he's super athletic. Yeah. And um, you know, I I like his shooting form. I I think he's gone on some really, you know, poor. He's a, he's been a streaky shooter, but he's got good form. He's got good measurables, and that would be uh, fun to watch. So I guess if well, we're really, I think, I think for yeah. him and and I think for some of these other like, it's funny in the second round now you get these guys or the later first round. You get the guys who have played three or four years in college, and that uh, they're slipping down in the draft. But those are the guys that you can really look at and see. Oh, that's that's how they're going to play basketball, and if that's their skill set, that's that's pretty good, you know, yeah. for a lot of these guys. So yeah, with Grayson Allen, I mean, you kind of know what you're getting, but he's still only 22 and played four years at Duke. He's obviously, he probably knows the game quite well. It's just a matter of how well can he come in and, and adjust to the NBA game. And I think there's a lot of guys out there like that who have played a few years in college. But nowadays, uh, you know, the, the picks are made on sort of future prospects. You know, GMs, to a certain extent, kind of protect their jobs by, you know, you, you draft a 19-year-old, you're giving yourself a couple of years before you can really judge that person. Yeah. No, I completely agree, and and I think uh, I'm hoping, I guess, that the Mavs focus more on this draft because I, I do think it's a deep draft, and um, if we could add another legit prospect to the roster, like to the rotation, essentially, then um, that could sort of supplement the uh, the disappointment of not getting a top two pick, really, or top three pick. Yeah. No, and I, I think the focus has got to be on some of those guys who you know can play. 
yeah. and are not just projects. Because I think as Mavs fans, we've seen this over and over again where it's here's our second round pick and it's some no name out of Romania that we're going to stash away, you know, and, oh and hope, hope they develop into something. And I think a lot of Mavs fans would love to see you know, a recognizable name they draft in the second round or, or late first round or something, or even someone not recognizable, but maybe played at a smaller school. I mean, you've got yeah. examples like Mitchell or, you know, a few years back, Dame Lillard or, or CJ McCollum. I mean, guys that, you know, uh, again, slip for whatever reason, but clearly can play, uh, can play at this level. No, and, and you know, I, I do believe in the Mavs' ability to evaluate. I mean, I, I think um, a lot of times it's, it's gotten a bad rap during the Dirk's prime just because we were so dismissive with our first-round picks. But, um, you know, I know last year they, they you know, look, the old Mavs, we would have guessed they would have taken Tilakina. Yeah. And uh, they had Dennis Smith up there high. Um, I think their backup plan was either Zach Collins or Donovan Mitchell. And uh, both those players were actually really good rookies. Obviously, Mitchell was. And then um, the other prospect being uh, Markinen, if Markinen had, had, you know, slipped to right. that too. So I do have faith in their ability to evaluate. And, um yeah, so if we are to get a middle to late first round pick, I like the prospects of uh what that could look like for the team. But overall, we are a competitive, exciting team. I still it, it would be really hard pressed to call us a, a potential playoff team next year, is that fair to say? Yeah, no, I think we're right back here a year from now, uh watching the very awkward draft lottery broadcast on ESPN and uh yeah, that was just as a quick recap. That was so dragged out. That was painful to watch. <laughs> they went to convert. Well, first of all, they had Elton Brand and somebody else sitting together because of the whole Sixers Celtics. Uh, yeah, and what was that with Elton? Did Elton Brand get out of shape, or was that suit ill-fitting? That was a really. I didn't know what was going on, and I'm an Elton Brand he fan. Looked, oh yeah, no, I I've also liked Elton Brand, but it looked like they had him. They it's like they wanted to make him the same height as the person he was sitting next to, and so they had him on like a little stool, and he had a big suit, and it, he looked really uncomfortable, and the whole setup looked uncomfortable because it looked like they were. It's like they ran out of chairs and had to like kind of shuffle something up there for Elton Brand, but he yeah, I mean, to be the biggest guy in the room. Yeah, I've listened to several interviews to him. He's a pretty sharp guy, but he looks hungover or something, and that <laughs> it, it just looked awkward. I really didn't understand what was going on, and um, and then they, I think they they had the camera on somebody else when they were talking about Michael Finley. It was just like. Well, yeah, that was weird because... Like well, they didn't even know who he was. That, yeah, I don't know who that woman was who was doing the broadcast, but first they talk about uh, Jamie Girth. First of all, I don't know, like, that's amazing that she's made enough money to become a minority owner of the Hawks, right? Either the Hawks are kind of low-priced, yeah, but she seemed to have no idea what was going on, but was still a minority owner of an NBA basketball team. Yeah. And so she's out there, and then, yeah, then they just sit on Michael Finley 
And then it's like, uh, My- Michael Finley, like he was a contest winner or something. And, and they ran him up there, even though he, yeah, he's been around the NBA for 20 years. Yeah. Very strange. Very it was strange very strange. Yeah. 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 And really, really dragged out, really dragged out. It was painful, uh, to watch. I also think it's odd when they get like the rookies from the previous years to represent the teams because it's like there's Josh Jackson kind of celebrating for the Suns and it's like, hey, we're horrible and we got the number one pick. All right, here we go. And it's yeah. like, wow, you got to be excited about picking up a future teammate. And then it's like, that's a weird interview. And then they go to the touch screen and you got the guy going, well, now if they get this guy, they're pretty good. But if they get this guy, they're they're pretty good, but you're talking about, you know, a bunch of teams that are probably going to be right back here next year. Yeah, I agree. I I don't think you want the players involved at all. I mean, what if what if Darren Fox's best friend is Willie Cauley Stein? You know, and he's just they interview him and he's like, yeah, they're going to draft DeAndre Ayton to replace somebody. <laughs> right, right. You know, or it, it's just I don't know, man. That, that was. That was really strange to me, that whole deal. Yeah, the whole setup is it's just it's kind of brutal. Yeah. It really is, yeah. Um, anyway, so that's that's it. We're back, and uh, the maps are not. <laughs> oh, look, either way, this is going to be a step forward for the Mavericks, and that's all you can really hope for coming out of this. Obviously, there's no guarantees. You, you saw the you know, montage of previous picks and you got Anthony Bennett out there, you got Greg Oden. I mean, even if you get the number one pick, you're not looking at, you know, future superstar. And certainly a a lot of great players have been picked outside of, uh, outside of the top three or four. So the Mavericks just have to go find that one player. No. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, uh, look, plenty of number five picks have been good. Boogie Cousins, Kevin Garnett, Kevin Love. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried about what we can do with the pick. It was just, uh, you know, we just like that leverage. And if we had that first, second pick, it would have been really exciting for the Mavs and really the whole Metroplex. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, at least we know now and it's, it's time to move forward, right? Yeah. It's time to start getting ready for the draft in about seven, seven, six, seven weeks, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, signing off. All right. The Mavs Podcast. We're back. Follow us on Twitter at The Mavs Podcast. All right. I'll talk to you next time. All right. See you. Okay, bye.